Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Taylor here with the first episode of the Bonfire Briefing Podcast. Today I'm talking to UFC Bantamweight prospect Julio Arce. He's 5-3 and three in the UFC and coming off an impressive win at UFC 273 over Daniel Santos. In addition to his most recent win, we talked about his journey to the UFC, last weekend's UFC 274 pay-per-view, and what his fight plans are for the remainder of the year. Hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, there we go. Julio Arce, welcome to the show. What's going on, my man? How you been? Man, I've I've been pretty good. How about yourself? Dude, I'm still, you know, watching the, you know, my fight, my pre my last fight and just like reliving the moment, but just like nonstop observing. Yeah, man, I definitely want to get into that because your win over Santos was uh, incredible. I mean, if people are looking for, you know, a super impressive display of uh, of boxing in the UFC, I mean, I think that fight uh, is a great example of that. You know, and not just your boxing either. To your kicks, man. They you, you don't you know you set them up and everything, but you don't really wind up to them. It's just you know you throw that thing and it's right there at its target. It's uh it, it's super impressive. You know, I, I know I retweeted that. Uh, that kick that you knocked out Erosa with, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of the yeah. smoothest head kicks I've ever seen. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. You know, do, do you attribute that to your training at your, uh, your current gym? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been trained on the Tiger Shomas now for 21 years. Damn. Yeah. I've been there from the start to where I am now. And you know, it, we st- we started like a well, we started we started with like a karate base, and then we adapted to the ever changing mixed martial arts. And you know, like I was taught like a lot of you know, look, we 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 used to be like with the kind of the discipline of karate, but we started you know going to the world of MMA, and the showmans, you know, they they did that. They didn't just like say, okay, this is the only way we're going to do it and this is the only way that works. No, they're like, no, nah, we're going to add on to this. We're doing jujitsu and we're doing this. And, dude, the, the amount of things I've learned, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You've been at the same gym uh, for 21 years. I, I do want to talk about your most recent win, but I'd love to hear about, you know, how you got into MMA, what the journey to the UFC has been like, you know, everything like that. If you could give me a little overview. Of course. So, you know, like when I was, when I was little, you know, I kind of went through like the stages of life of, of, uh, being a skinny kid. And when I came to live in, uh, in New York, you know, I kept thinking, I was like, yeah, you know, I can eat whatever I want. And I became like, I became a, a fat kid, an overweight fat kid. And, you know, of course, dealing with the the ruthlessness of uh, kids in school. And, 
I couldn't really, and I was trying to find, you know, like other activities that I would like fit in, but it's like, I wanted something that I would hold myself accountable for. Something would be like mine, like, you know, that I, I it's like, a, it's like my journey. So right. my oldest sister Katz brought me into uh tiger showman's and from there on, I, you know, I fell in love with it ever since. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is what I love to do. And then next thing you know, like I was losing weight. I was doing uh, jujitsu competitions, um, our own in-house tournaments where we, all the, all the Tiger Showman's locations gather and have all their students, you know, kickbox and uh, do jujitsu. And then from there, when I finally, you know, turned 18, I, I was able to start fighting. And here I am now. <laughs> right. Is, is um, about 18, is that, um, is that when you started doing like the, like the golden gloves getting into that? Cause I know you were the, the 2011 champion there. When, when did you start, you know, getting into that kind of competing? So when I turned 18, I finally was able to do, um, actually started my career off in amateur MMA, which mm-hmm. was pretty cool. And then um, my coaches were like, all right, we got to, it's like, you've done jujitsu tournaments, you're doing MMA where you're kind of displaying your jujitsu. We want to see you display more of your striking. Mm-hmm. Then they had me do um, kickboxing fights, amateur kickboxing fights. Then, you know, I think I was, I, I racked up, uh, I was six and zero as an amateur in amateur MMA. And then I was five or five and zero as an amateur kickboxing, and then um, I got my I got my first loss in kickboxing, and they wanted me to trust my hands more, and mm. that's where like you're doing the Golden Gloves. So I'm like, all right, it's like I didn't want to do it at first. I was just like, I don't want to do boxing, but and I, you know, like a kid filled with excuses sometimes, where you're just like. Uh, I don't. I, you know, I like doing MMA. I like doing everything. I didn't want to do just boxing, right? But it actually turned out to be the best experience I could ever have, because I fought every week, and next thing you know, I went from fighting in like these little school gyms to fighting in Madison Square Garden, which was a huge, huge accomplishment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet that had to be. Uh, crazy. What What is it like fighting in Madison Square Garden compared to some of the other venues that you fought at before? Dude, it's unreal. <clears throat> it's unreal because, I mean, look, it's the, the mecca of uh, boxing. And I got right. to do that. And it was my first boxing experience. I'm going to people who were, who've been doing boxing since they were little. And I'm doing, I'm like doing, practicing every discipline. But people who just specifically, um, do just boxing and I was getting in there and I was beating these, these, these boxers and it felt great because it's like all the hard work is really coming into play. Like I had a mission. I wanted to go professional. So if winning the, winning the golden gloves was my way to becoming a pro It's like, then I was making sure I got that done. Right. Uh, I, I can't remember who it was. There was a, 
I think it was it was an MMA fighter, UFC fighter who uh, said something. I think maybe last week about you know like the crowd in Madison Square Garden is so loud that they couldn't even hear their coaches giving them advice. Oh my god! You know, you know, like it it is like that. But when, you know, I think um, everybody's different. For me, the moment I I I fought at the Garden is like all right, you just got to focus on just one voice. Focus on one voice. That's it. And that's what I did, even through the crowd, through the sound of the crowd. Okay, so you were able to kind of tune everything else out and just kind of focus on, you know, the one person that you really needed to get through to you in that moment. Absolutely. So how did you um, go from fighting in a ring of combat to, to getting your way on Dana White's Contender Series? So, you know, the, the journey to the UFC was also, you know, uh, it was it was filled with a couple of like little upsets here and there because, you know, I started, you know, once I became a, a turn professional, you know, I was I was kind of climbing up, and then as I was, uh, I think seven and zero, you know, I got my first loss. Uh, you know, I was, I was I was on the radar for to get you know picked up by the UFC. And I got offered a early fight, like a like even earlier in my career. I think I was three and zero to fight. Um, I forgot who he is in the bantamweight division. I don't think he's around any any longer. But it was a, it was a fight in Canada, and you know my coach was like, was like, no, it's like we don't want to put you under the bright lights too soon. You need to build. You need to have time." It's like, you're just like, we're not going in there. And I think my coaches, because they watched out for me in, in that regard, because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, yo, it's like, this is my time. But right. they're like, nah, you don't want to get in there under the bright lights where, you know, it's like, you have to deal with the nerves. You have to deal with the crowds. Like, it's like, you're not ready for that. Even though you are, then like, trust us, like, just wait. And I was like, all right. It's like, kept fighting. And then um, I, I, w- I got my first loss under, you know, Brian Kelleher. Mm. And then I was, when we were supposed to fight again, I got hurt and he ended up fighting and he was in, a, I think it was Dana White's looking for a fight. And oh, that yeah. night he knocked somebody out with a spinning back fist and he got picked up. Mm. So, in my mind, I'm like, damn, I lost that opportunity. That's twice. But I'm like, I'm like, forget it, man. It's like, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep training, keep doing my thing. Um, we did the rematch, and you know, look, he he tapped me out. Well, actually, he didn't get, he didn't get, he got picked up after we fought the second time. And then you know, like then. Then he got the spinning back fist knockout. Um, and then I'm like, oh, let me move to 45. And I moved to 45, got the titles there. And then there was another Dana White, Dana, a contender series, uh, looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that fight, I don't know why I put a lot of stress on myself. And I didn't fight the way I normally fought. And I was like, like what the fuck, man? It's like... It was just one of these like fights that 
you know, I had a gritty opponent, but like, I think I just fought with like pressure on my shoulders. Like this, this is like a, a young fighter mentality. And then it's like, the fight was just like boring. Like I won the fight, but it was one of those, it's like that somebody else got picked over me because I didn't fight the way I wanted to fight. Right. And so then I just kept fighting. I just I was like, all right, you know, let's keep going. Let's, you know, let's get some, let's defend this title. Um, and then I got a, an opportunity at uh, the Contender Series. And when I went there, I fought Peter Petty's and, you know, I, I TKO'd him the second round. I hit him with like a barrage. Like I hit him like a 30-piece combo. And so it's like when you when you're in a video game and you're just button smashing, just like pressing and just trying to get this done. But you know, I'm thinking like, yo, that was more than enough to earn my my shot, and I still didn't get it. And it was at that point where you you look at it and you're like, it was like a little bit of like I left my mark. I showed him that you know like what I can do. But Mm -hmm. then again, it was a little it was like heartbreaking because like I'm like, damn, it's like. Is like I still didn't get in, and you know I still like. It's like it's like was like what was it gonna take for me to you know finally be able to to get a call from these guys, and and after that you know like it, it was a little it was a little like saddening. I felt I felt I felt like I felt a little bit like shit, but then I'm like you know what like like in my mind I'm like it's like my time will come. It's like my journey is different than everybody else's. You know, and I did a uh, kickboxing fight in Glory and knocked the guy out. And then I just kept training. And then next thing you know, it was like, um, it was the first time uh, Stipe fought Francis Ngannou. And I got a short notice call to fight Dan Ige because I think it was Charles Arosa. No, not Charles Arosa. Um, is it Charles Rosa? Yeah, yeah, it was Charles. Yeah, Charles Rosa. Rosa. He got hurt, and they need a replacement. So my teammates, management, just started going on Twitter, and my teammate Chain was like, "Yo, this guy's ready. He's been ready for it." And then they gave me that fight, and next thing you know, I was fighting uh, Ige on the in UFC 220, and. And I beat him, and look, he's a top contender now. So, and now here we are, man. Yeah, that yeah, no, that that is a it's a really crazy uh, journey to the UFC, and I, I think the consistency in your mindset is is awesome. You know, despite the the different hurdles and and challenges that you had, you you knew that you would get your shot in the UFC one day if you kept you know training and fighting and. You know, you, you might have hit a couple of roadblocks on the way there, but, you know, you, you did eventually get that shot. And, and when you finally got it, did, did you finally feel like, yes, this is my moment. I'm going to go out there and, and you know, ma- make the best of it no, no matter what. Absolutely. Like everything, everything felt right. And I, and I was like, I'm like, this is, this is, this is the moment I was waiting for. It's like. The other moments maybe it was too soon, but this is the right moment. Yeah, and and Dan Ige, like like you said, I mean he's a he's a top contender guy now. I mean that that's a hell of a guy 
to have to make your UFC debut against. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how was your training whenever you um, were preparing? Uh, it was short notice, right? How, how much uh, notice did you have in fighting him? It was two weeks, but I, I was I've, I was relentless in the gym, you know, so like I was there even when uh, like I'm there even when I'm not getting ready for a fight. I, I want to stay in shape. I want to stay, stay ready, ready for anything. Right. So. Stay, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Exactly. Yeah. What? Um. So, you know, when you're, uh, you know, when you have a full fight camp, you know, you you have uh, a lot of time to get in all the training that you need to get prepared, and you know, obviously, there's a a significant advantage in, in you know being able to go through a full fight camp versus having to fight Dan Ige on on two weeks' notice. You know, I mean, how did you guys cram in all that you needed to do in in that two weeks? I mean, that's just, that's such a short amount of time to have to fight somebody like that and to come out, you know, successful. I mean, to beat him. Yeah. Well, you know, like we, we didn't, we didn't really cram for it. Like, uh, like even like I fought in, when I fought in glory, like I just stayed, I stayed in the gym. Like I stayed training as if there was a fight for me. Right. Even before we, we heard that Charles Rosa had gotten hurt and they needed her looking for an opponent. Um, you know, my other teammates, they had their fights. So I was in there training with them, doing hard sparring rounds, everything that has to get done, like my conditioning, all that. Like it, like I didn't take the, the, the foot off the gas pedal. I was just like, yo, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. So then by the time they gave me this short notice fight, I was already in the fight shape that I needed to be in. Right. And, you know, for the first, uh, I think your first six fights or so in the UFC, you were fighting at featherweight, but, you know, here recently you've dropped back down uh, to bantamweight and have been fighting there. And, and, and you've, you've held titles in both weight classes. I'm wondering, you know, what, what differences do you notice um, in, and how you fight, how you train, how you prepare at, at 145 versus 135. You know what, for when when I decided to make my move to 45, when I was in the regionals, in the regional circuit, I made that jump because I didn't want to deal with, uh, like I didn't have a nutritionist like I have now to help me with my weight cut. Um, and it wasn't, and I can say it, like it wasn't as structured as I should have been with my weight cuts which mm -hmm. made me do the move to 145 and then when I got into the UFC you know like these guys are just so much bigger than me right. like like if you see me like you can clearly see I'm a, I'm a 35er not a 45er so like I'm in there with dudes who are walking around much heavier dropping to 145 now look I held my own but if I wanted like any type of championship trajectory, like it was at 35, not at 45. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think you can, um, you can definitely see that throughout your fights in the UFC. I mean, in, you know, in your return to Bantamweight in the UFC, you know, you TKO'd Andre Ewell and, you know, you, your most recent win over uh, Daniel Santos, man, you looked, Super impressive. Like, like I said, I mean, everything, dude, your, your jab, 
you know, using that to stifle a lot of his, his offense, your body shots were nasty, you know, in the second round, you really started picking him apart with those body shots. And, you know, he, he was coming at you with some, with some serious power, but you were able to just kind of, you know, stick to the game plan, pick him apart with your boxing. I mean, it was just, it, it, it was a super impressive victory, man. How did, how did you feel after uh, that fight? You know, Dude, I, I walked away from that fight and I'm just like, the fact that I, you know, I used to jab around kicking a left hand most of the time. And I'm like, I'm like, this is the way it has to be done. I'm like, I just felt in the, I, I was in the zone. Like I felt I'm like, I'm like, this was the way I, 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 I normally fought. This is my fun way of fighting. And I'm like, it's like, and I should have been fighting like this for, for, you know, it's like, there's it, just points in your training, even during like your, your, your fights where it's like, you're fighting, but you don't, you don't fight like your usual self. And I, I wasn't me. And I'm like, and I paid for it by losing like split decisions. And then in this fight, I felt like it just felt complete. Well, partially complete. I need to now start doing more takedowns and more involve more wrestling in there. But like, I'm like, I wanted to see the fr- the look of frustration in his face when he had a hard time trying to just catch me, trying to land something like desperation building in his eyes. And I'm, as I'm just like picking away at him, that's, and like, and I, and that felt great to see. Oh yeah. I, I bet it did because, you know, in that first round, like I said, I mean, he was throwing some serious heat at you. I mean, he was, he was winding up on some of those big shots and, you know, he, he caught you with a couple of things there early. Uh, I imagine it had to feel pretty good, you know, surviving that first round, those first initial uh, onslaughts. And then yeah, whether the storm with them, he's a, he's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, to give credit to him, I mean, you know, it was his debut, you know, I mean, he, he fought pretty well those first couple of rounds in his own right, but man, you just, you, you really stuck to it and uh, picked him apart. And I mean, you even, you even wobbled him with another just fucking smooth head kick there at like the end of round one, you know? And I, I, I knew watching that, I was like, oh man, this guy, he's in for a long, long fight. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, and look, in this fight, I know I was being, I was being kind of looked over. And oh, you know, since he comes from Charles Oliveira's camp, they're like, yeah, you know, this kid is a, is a prospect. This kid's gonna be trouble. And I'm like, nah. He's like, gotta watch out for me. I'm the trouble. Yeah, yeah, they, they hyped him up pretty good before the fight, you know. I mean, they they really uh they really painted him out to be this, you know, this future prospect in the UFC. It may and you know, maybe he will be, right? But Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you you came in there and you just put the stamp on that real quickly. You were like, "Absolutely not. This is my time. I'm the prospect." Yeah, it's like I'm like it's like I like I've been here. Like this is this was my eighth UFC fight. I'm like I'm like, nah, it's not happening. Not here. Yeah, well, you know, what do you think is uh, is next for you after 
such an impressive win like that. Do you have any any opponents in mind? What are you thinking? Um, I don't have any opponents in mind. Like uh, I'm, I'm actually trying to hopefully fight again end of July, August, like around there. Mm-hmm. And then probably, so then it gives me time to like recover then after that fight and then hopefully get another one before the year ends. But, you know, I think my, after my loss to uh, Song Yadong, it set me back. And then I have to fight a person doing the UFC debut. So it's like, I got to build back up. But I think after that kind of performance and that fight, I think the next step would be just a fight that'll get me closer to the top 15. Oh, right, right, definitely. Um, You know, I want to wrap up here soon, but before we do, I'd like to talk about uh, UFC 274. Uh, did you, did you watch any of those fights at all? Did you watch the pay-per-view? Oh yeah. Like I watched those, those fights were insane. Um, it's it like, I, I, it sucks that I, the cowboy fight didn't happen because I love cowboy, uh, cowboy Cerrone. He's, oh yeah. It sucks that he got like food poisoning. And so I was looking forward to that fight. And then, you know, the Michael Chandler fight. That was Holy just shit, dude. <laughs> that front kick was crazy. He just hit him with the Anderson Silva. Dude, it was. But I feel even... bad for Tony though, because I mean, I know Tony. You know, Tony said you know he wanted to go in there and have fun, but he just had a big chip on his shoulder with all the stuff he was saying, and like it sucks that he you know he, that now now he now he lost this fight and he lost it in that fashion. Right. So, like I just hope he's okay though, because after that Gagey fight, we took just like so much damage, and now he gets knocked out like that. Like, like I just I just hope he's okay. Oh yeah, definitely. That was one of those fights where you you kind of got to see the the duality of being an MMA fan, you know, because that that front kick was awesome. You know, yeah. I mean, it just was. I mean, it was a hell of a front kick. You know, the way, you know, the, the way that Tony fell to the mat afterwards, the, you know, Michael Chandler flipping off the cage like three, four times, however many times he did those flips. Um, and, you know, and then his, his he pushed call the out. Rack. He pushed the cut, man. I was like, you'll get out of my way. I'm going to do another flip. <laughs> yeah, he was like, wait a minute, brother. I've got to get in a couple more <laughs> flips. Um, and you know, so it was, it was really cool to see. And then, you know, Chandler on the mic after a win is, you know, next to none. I mean, he, he always cuts these awesome promos after he's, he wins, but you know, if you've, you've been watching MMA a long time, you know, like, like I have, and like you have, you know, you hate to see somebody like Tony Ferguson losing that fashion. Cause I mean, he's a killer, you know, and he looked good, you know, in the first round, he looked pretty good, but but man, to to lose it, you know, so quickly in the second round with with a devastating knockout like that, you know, his fourth loss in a row, like you said, I, I think we were all just, you know, when we were watching the Justin Gaethje fight, I think we were all just, you know, begging for that fight to end. You mm-hmm. know, no nobody wants to see him go through that kind of punishment, and it's it, it's kind of hard to reconcile these recent losses of his with you know the fact that he was on 
you know, that, that super impressive win streak that he was on for what, like six, seven years, he didn't lose a single fight in the UFC. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, it, it's hard to even, it, it would have, it, it was an impossible to imagine at that time that he would uh, rack up the, the losses that he had. I, I know a lot of people were hoping that he would get a step down, you know, in competition, you know, a little bit of a, there's not really any tune up fights in the UFC, but <laughs> You know, losing three in a row and then fighting Michael Chandler is, is uh, definitely not a step down in competition. Not at all. No, and then, uh, you know, and then the main event, you know, there was all the, you know, there was all the, you know, the controversy about the weight uh, surrounding it. And I feel like that kind of, you know, that kind of came, became the narrative of the fight. But once that fight started, man, it was crazy from beginning to end all, all three minutes of it or however long that fight lasted. It was, you know, back and forth crazy. I mean, Oh my God. And then, you know, the thing is like, I get, uh, you know, Charles had that whole, the, the whole weight thing with the scale and stuff. And that guy went in with a bigger reason to win. Right. He's like, I'm going to show you guys why I'm the champion. Right. Yeah. I think he, um, you know, he said after the fight, he was like, you know, the lightweight champ has a name and it's Charles Oliveira. So he's, you know, I mean, he's obviously going to be in the next title fight, you know, whoever it's against. Um, and he definitely deserves it. I mean, he's, he's really putting together a resume, man. Yeah. You know, I think, I, I, do you think they'll put a, they'll, they'll make him fight. Will he fight Connor or Islam? I th- the, you know the 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 MMA purist in me wants to see him fight Islam. You know I feel like yeah, he's due for it. Yeah, I feel like it's you know it's his time. You know he deserves the shot. You know Habib tweeted at you know, you know tweeted it the other day. Said that that's kind of the only fight that uh, that makes sense. And and you know I, I kind of think it is. But yeah. you know, you you can't really blame anyone for wanting to fight Conor McGregor, and they want to get paid. That's yeah, favorite. that big Conor McGregor payday, man. You know, I, I won't ever fault anybody for wanting one of those. But uh, I, I would really love to see him fight Islam. I mean, you've got you know two people there. I mean, both the grappling with both of them is just it, it is wild. I mean, I think it would be one of the best grappling matchups that we've seen in a while. And it's, it's hard to even think about who would come on top, you know, in those exchanges. Mm. I just think like Oliveira just has so many more ways to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And, you know, everyone always talks about his, his grappling, you know, like, like they should, you know, don't get it wrong, but like he, he knocked down Gaethje to set up that rear naked choke. It's not like he, you know, took him down and, and, and smothered him with his wrestling and then submitted him. I mean, he knocked him down. He's He's got hands too, man. Everyone talks about the submissions because they are dangerous, but he can put your lights out too. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had um, – his fight, you know, with Michael Chandler was uh, pretty similar. You know, and his fight with Poirier was similar too. You know, he faced a little adversity – early on, you know, he got knocked down in the first round against all three of those guys, but you know, he's able to just, it's like when he gets knocked down, he really wakes up, you know? 
Yeah. It's something like that because he, you know, he got rocked in, in all of those early fights, but he was still able to come around and, 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 you know, knock out Chandler, submit Poirier and Gaethje. And, and every second of those fights was crazy. You know, no, I don't, I don't think anyone's ever accused Charles Oliveira of putting on a boring fight, you know? Yep. That dude's just been on it. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think about the lightweight situation? Do you want to see Oliveira fight Islam next? I definitely want to see Oliveira fight Islam. I think, like, you know, look, this this guy's like, you see how how he is on his back. You see how he is standing. Like, he's he's the type of like person who's you know he's seen it all through his journey. Right. He's, had, he's gone through his peaks and valleys and he became the champion for a reason. And I think if you put him now for the new vacant title against Islam, I feel like he is the person that you're looking to give Makachev that kind of fight. Right. Because Oliveira would, would be, you know, a, a pretty big step up in competition for Islam, you know, really see if he belongs in that, you know, in, in that championship conversation, yeah. I think um, I think a question a lot of people are asking too is if uh, if Oliveira beats Islam, do you do you rank him as a greater lightweight of all time than Habib? Absolutely. Like yeah. he he went in, like he he's going in there he's putting pretty much the 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 mini Khabib away. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, they've got some, you know, their resumes are kind of similar. There's some different names in there, but you know, they both beat Poirier. They both beat Gaethje. I think if you, I think if Oliveira goes out there and beats Islam, especially if he does it, you know, and he does it early, you know, like he did with Gaethje. I mean, I, I think you've got to put him, you know, at the top of that list or at least above Habib. I really do. You know, and then that's, you know, that's just considering his, uh, his most recent, you know, wins. I mean, that guy's been fighting in the UFC forever. You know, if you look at all of the fights that he's had in the UFC, I do. I think you've got to give it to him. Yeah, it's freaking. He's, 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 you know what? I feel like if Oliveira goes, puts a stamp on like Islam like that. He's accomplished more than Khabib did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Well, listen, man, I've got to wrap it up here. I've got another thing going on at five, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to me about your journey to the UFC and, you know, you know some of the fights that have happened over the weekend. Um, I really do appreciate it. And just before we close out, you know, do you have anything that – you know, you want to promote any sponsors you want to shout out, any anything like that at all? I'm just always, you know, like Team Tiger Showman's. You know, my coaches, the Showman's, my boxing coach, Ray, my first original instructor, um, Brian Godoffer, who's literally been like, like a father in me through all this. And just everyone who follows my journey, you know, and my whole family, all my supporters. So love it. Thank you guys. Love them all. Oh yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for hey, coming thank on you the for show, me, brother. Man, I'll ha- I'll have you back 
Anytime, just hit me up. That was my conversation with UFC Bantamweight prospect Julio Arce. You too. I really enjoyed hearing about his journey to the UFC and the perseverance that required. I mean, hearing him talk about how depressed he was after all the different roadblocks in his career was pretty inspiring. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to follow Bonfire Brief Pod on Twitter for future episodes, and be sure to follow Julio Arce too. His ascension to the top is something you won't want to miss. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time.